0: Thank you for listening in to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. Our current sermon series is from the book of First Corinthians. For more information, visit our website at cumberlandcornerstone.org. Thank you, praise team. One of these days we'll have steps all the way across the front, and then we won't have to play that little game of do-si-do. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 14 as we... Look into the word this morning. As we come to chapter 14, remember that Paul has been trying to correct some, some things that have been going on in the church at Corinth. And things specifically that they had kind of uh, overblown or gotten out of proportion or, or that he needed to just uh, put the brakes on a little bit. And one of these things is the, the use of their spiritual gifts. And he's been trying to deal with that in chapters 12 and 13. And last week, and the last couple of weeks in chapter 13, we, we saw that what Paul said is you know, gifts are vitally important, and we don't want to underestimate the value of gifts, but love is the most important thing. Love is that which is going to last. And uh, so he now goes on into chapter 14, and notice how he begins the chapter. He says, pursue what? Love. Desire spiritual gifts, yes, but pursue love, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to, to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that, that, even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air." There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Paul's been establishing the principle of uh, what is true spirituality, As he's been talking here to the church at Corinth. And in chapter 14, as I mentioned, he specifically begins to deal with uh, the problem in the church at Corinth. As we've noticed and as we've seen as we've gone through the book, the the Corinthians seem to uh, prefer or seem to overemphasize the ecstatic gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Specifically, it seems the gift of tongues. And they measured their spirituality by whether or not a person had the gift of tongues. Whether a person had the ability to speak in a tongue. And in seeking to deal with this problem, Paul wants to help them to understand how the Holy Spirit really works and what the true measure of spirituality is in somebody's life. In your life and in my life. Now as we get started on this, I understand there are differences of opinion on, the, on the tongues and on the gifts and different things like that. And as we've been going through the, the book, my desire is for us to see what God says and to study it for ourselves and to really come to the conclusion as to this is what we're talking about or this isn't. And, and I, I don't claim to have all the answers to these things, but I, I want us to stay close to the passage and really try to catch what Paul is saying to us and one of the things that he's really emphasizing is what is spirituality and we've looked at that over the last couple weeks and uh, let me just remind you of what Paul tells them and tells us. True spirituality is submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life and when I submit to his lordship I am going to live in obedience to his commands. Please understand that. You know, a lot of us want to say, I love the Lord with all my heart. Oh, he, Jesus is Lord. And then remember what Jesus is. Why do you say you love me and yet you don't do the things that I tell you to do? And he has given us his word and he has given us his commands. And, uh, you know, when we don't want to obey his commands, we just kind of write it off as, oh, that was for that day and that's not important for today. Or, you know, you know, we need to move forward or, or, you know, that's not really what he meant. And I see that in the life of so many of us as Christians. We don't either. We don't know what the Bible says because we don't read it enough and don't study it enough, or we read it and see what it says, and then we just say, "Well, I, I'm not going to do that." How can you call Jesus Lord? How can you truly be spiritual if you're not going to do the things that Scripture says? And that's what Paul wants to get across to the church at Corinth. Oh, it's wonderful that you have these spiritual gifts. Oh, it's tremendous that, you know, you think you're so spiritual and you're so near to God because you have even these ecstatic gifts. But you're not living in accordance with the, the, the Holy Spirit. You're suing one another. You're, 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 you're having factions within the church. You're doing this. You're doing that. And you think you're spiritual just because you have this spiritual gift. So spirituality means that we are not seeking what we want or what we think is best, but we're giving ourselves in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we are giving ourselves to live in harmony with the other members of the body of Christ. Recognizing that spiritual gifts are given to equip one, each one of us to contribute to the overall functioning of the church, the overall functioning or the well being of the body of Christ, we must give ourselves then and our spiritual gifts to that purpose. You see, God's purpose is to build up the body of Christ, and we saw in chapter 13 in love. And that is God-likeness. That is Christ-likeness. That is spirituality. And so that ought to be our purpose. That ought to be our goal as well. It ought to be our desire to, to build up one another, to love one another as Christ loved the church. And to use our spiritual gifts, not for my sake, but for the sake of the body of Christ. You see, as Paul comes now to chapter 14, he's going to apply that principle and those principles of what true spirituality is to the problems that are going on in the church at Corinth. And uh, so let's get into that a little bit this morning. He begins with uh, what we're going to say the emphasis there in verse 1 where he says very clearly, pursue what? Love. Love. Pursue love. This verse really summarizes the principles that Paul has set forth for us in chapters 12 and 13. And he begins by telling them, pursue love. That word pursue is an interesting word. The word pursue means to follow with persistence. To to pursue something or someone to the desired goal. Uh, it, you know, to, to be persistent about it, even as one would pursue a calling. You know, if that's what you feel you need to do, pursue it. Do it. Here in a couple months, and I'm sure it's probably already going on, but in a couple months, you great hunters are going to be going out into the woods and you're going to be doing what? Pursuing your prey, right? And you're going to pursue it until you do what? You get it. You know, and we're going to bring it home. You know, that's really the word. It's like a hunter going after his prey. Paul says, pursue what? Love. Pursue love. It's the same word and the same thought that he uses back in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, where he says, I press on to the prize. That's my goal. That's pursue. That's grabbing a hold of something. And as we saw in chapter 13, love is the evidence of godly character in my life. Love is an essential part of God's purpose for us. And this is the end towards God, which God is working in our lives. And so Paul says, pursue that, put that front and center. The pursuit of love ought to have a priority in your life and it ought to have a priority in my life and it ought to have a priority in the life of the church. We are to pursue love. You know, the pursuit of love should clearly be the emphasis and the goal of every believer and every church. But look what he says next. He does talk about spiritual gifts. He says desire spiritual gifts. And the word desire there speaks about a desire with intensity. And it's the same word and the same usage of the word that we saw back in chapter 12, verse 31, when he said, earnestly desire. And so spiritual gifts are important. Uh, The word desire there means to, to be zealous for something. Uh, And that the idea is that our desire, notice what he says, desire spiritual. And again, the word gifts is in italics. It's really desire spirituals. And we put gifts in there because we understand that. That helps us to understand what he's talking about. But Paul says, my desire should be for the spirituals. For those things that are going to help me grow Spiritually. For those things are going to bring me closer and closer to Jesus Christ. To maturity in Jesus Christ. And the end of all of this is love. That The end goal is love. And so the means by which God gets us there is the use of spiritual gifts uh, that have been given to, uh, to us by his Holy Spirit. And so again, the purpose of those gifts... Is to build up the body of Christ in love. And so we ought to be zealous about uh, the exercise of our spiritual gifts. We need to pursue with intensity uh, love. That uh, that is the ultimate goal. And uh, the way we get there is through spiritual gifts. And so we should be zealous about the gift that God has given to you. And uh, Paul then states at the end of the verse, but especially that you may prophesy. Since the goal was love and the building up of the body of Christ, Paul says that we ought to give emphasis to that gift that contributes most to that goal. You know, Go back to chapter 12, verse 28, for just a moment. There in verse 28, remember, uh, this was a number of weeks ago, we saw God's order of priority of the gifts. What did the Corinthians say? What was the number one gift as far as the Corinthians were concerned? Tongues. Or the ecstatic gifts that, that made them look good and that, that gave, made them feel nearer to God and made them feel like they were truly spiritual. And and remember in chapter 12, verse 28, Paul said, that's how you prioritize things. Look how God prioritizes things. God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles then gifts of healing, helps administration, variety of tongues. Paul Paul says for us back there, you know, here is God's priority. The gift of prophecy. We notice that is the second thing mentioned. Prophecy is mentioned only after who? The apostles. Now, the apostles were a very specialized group. A very limited group of men. A very limited group belonging only to those who were chosen to establish the church. For all practical purposes, in the the case of the church at Corinth... The gift of prophecy was the gift that was, that was uh, to have the emphasis there in the church. Uh, it's clear no one in the church of Corinth was an apostle. Right? They, none of them had seen the risen Christ. Uh, but they did have uh, prophets in the church because every New Testament church had prophets. You say, well, what is prophet? Well, the gift of prophecy... Was the ability to impart New Testament truth to the New Testament church. And again, we've been saying this week after week. Why did they need prophets? Because they did not have what? Did not have this. They did not have the word of God. They did not have the completed New Testament. And uh, so they had prophets who were given uh, New Testament truth to share with the New Testament church. And evidently, even if we go down to verse 29 in chapter uh, 14, it seems that there were a, a, a number of prophets. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. And so it seems that the, the gift was, was given there uh, and it was certainly given... Uh, with maybe even uh, freely within the church. So prophecy was a spoken message communicating New Testament truth coming by revelation from God. So that gift, Paul says, needs to be given emphasis within the church. What we need to emphasize is the word of God. And, And you know, folks, we don't have prophets today, I don't believe, Because we have the New Testament, we have the completed canon of Scripture. But what that tells me is what ought to be the emphasis in our church? The Word of God. We need to emphasize God's Word. This is what God has said to us. And we need to know it. We need to study it. We need to emphasize it. You know, all the other parts of the, the worship service are important and, and all of the other parts of the, the, our Christian life are important, but we better give emphasis to the Word of God. And Paul says, that's how we're going to grow. And so don't emphasize those, those gifts that aren't going to necessarily help us grow. Emphasize that gift that is really going to help us know what God is like. And so the communication of God's word, must be given priority in the life of the church, in the life of every one of us as a believer. I say this to you all the time, and I hope it takes, takes root in your heart. You, I hope that that Bible gets opened sometime between now and next Sunday. I hope it gets opened every day. But you know, that is our letter from God, And if I'm truly going to be pursuing love and desiring the spirituals, desiring spirituality, how can I possibly do it if I never open the book? How can I possibly do it if the only time I ever open my Bible is Sunday morning when I go to church? And if if that is where you're at right now, may I just encourage you, May I exhort you, may I challenge you, may I chide you. Get into the book. You know, start start slow, start small, but get into there. Get into the Bible each and every day. And and just spend some time there with the Lord. You're never going to grow spiritually without doing that. I don't think it's possible. And Paul says that has to be our emphasis Well, the second thing he goes to then is the evaluation. And in these verses, Paul tells them why prophecy should receive emphasis in the church over that of the gift of tongues. And he says in verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Uh, Why is prophecy more important than tongues? Well, Paul says, first of all, tongues does not communicate truth uh, to other people. The word tongue, and and there's a lot of misunderstanding, I think, about the gift of tongues even today. The word tongue is a common word in the, the New Testament, and it was used to describe the organ of speech. All right. And so the, 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 the word tongue describes for us a language that is spoken. We see that in the, the book of Revelation and, and we see that we speak with, with different tongues. In the book of Acts, uh, may I just share with you in the book of Acts that the gift of tongues was clearly the ability, and you study it out for yourself, it was clearly the ability to speak in a language that you had never learned. There was nothing in Scripture to indicate it is ever anything else beside that. I know that some have taken 1 Corinthians 13:1 and the use of the word angels there to indicate that some of the Corinthians were claiming to speak in an angelic language. But as you study the the book of Acts, tongues was always clearly a known language. Maybe it was not known to the speaker, but it was a a language uh, of, of the world. And what Paul is saying is that those who speak in some language not known to those in the local church cannot really be speaking to men, they don't, because the men don't understand. And so at best, they can only be speaking to God. I would love to illustrate that for you by breaking out into another language. But as I've told you, I spent three years studying German and I don't know too much to to be able to say to you. But if someone were to get up here this morning and uh, and start spouting off in a, a language that none of us knew... How much are we going to get out of that message? We're not going to get anything out of it. We're not going to get anything out of it. And and that's what Paul is saying to us here. Paul says that the problem with tongues is that no one understands what is being said. No one really gets anything out of what is being said. We can see their mouth moving. We can hear the sound, but we can't understand. A couple weeks ago, I told you that I used to like chiller theater, you know, and uh, the, the Friday night to watch the, I can remember the old Godzilla movies. Remember Godzilla, you know, and sometimes they would show the Godzilla movies in Japanese. And then there was just dubbing in of English. And so you would see these people running around and their mouths would be moving and you would hear the Japanese going and they would, they would go on for like five minutes and, and then the English dub would say, Okay. You know, it's like, he had to have said more than that. I know he said more than that, but, but I didn't catch any of it. You know, and, and Paul says, you know, that, that is kind of what's going on here. We can hear the, the sound, we can see them speaking, but we have no idea what they're talking about. However, Paul says at the end of the verse, in the spirit, he speaks mystery. The word mysteries there speaks of a truth that has not yet been revealed. So this is truth being spoken. All right? Uh, The the person speaking uh, was was speaking truth that that was a mystery that, that was being spoken. And it needed to be what? We needed to understand it. We needed to be able to catch what was being said. However, if we're speaking in a language that cannot be understood... It does nothing to help the church. It does nothing to help other people. And so it cannot edify and it cannot build up the body of Christ. Paul says it does not communicate truth to other men. Let's go on to verse 3 where he does say this. uh, Prophecy speaks uh, to and edifies other people. He says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Prophecy was divine revelation in the language of the people so that the people could not only hear what was being said, but they could understand what was being said. And because of that, the gift of prophecy is able to do three things, Paul says. First of all, it's able to edify. It's able to bring edification, which means it's able to build up other people. Again, if I speak to you in a language you don't understand, how am I going to build you up? You're just going to sit there and go, okay. You know? Secondly, not only does it edify, it exhorts. Exhortation means it encourages other people. You know, the word of God can build up other people. The word of God can encourage other people. And and again, if we don't understand what is being said, we're not going to be encouraged. And the third thing Paul says, it can comfort or console other people. And so uh, the gift of prophecy, Paul says, is, is more vital for the church than the gift of tongues. And remember, it's because in the church of Corinth, they were overemphasizing the gift of tongues. And Paul say, no, you're not, you're not getting anything out of that. There's no edification. There, there, there's no comfort. There's no consoling. There's no exhortation. You need to prophesy. It's more important that you have the word of God. Well, the third thing he talks about in verse 4 is the end result is that tongues, at best, can only edify the one who is, being, uh, is, is speaking. He says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Again, since no one else understands what is being said, no one else is blessed. And now, Paul is assuming here that the the speaker got something out of the experience, right? That the one who is speaking in tongues got something out of the the experience. But he said it does nothing to build up the rest of the body. And and think about what he has just told us back in chapter 13. In chapter 13, verse 5, he says, Love does not seek what? Its own. Does not seek to just build up itself. Love is not just seeking something for me, for me, it's not just looking out for self. And so, even though it may bless me, it's not blessing anybody else, it's not edifying anybody else. And Paul says, love doesn't do that. The one who has the gift of prophecy, verse 4 has the ability to edify the entire church. He who prophesies edifies the church. And that's why the gift of prophecy, Paul says, is to be desired and why this is the gift that that the the people in Corinth should have been emphasizing. Prophecy uh, better serves the purpose for which the gifts were given. It has the ability to encourage. It has the ability to build up. It has the ability to comfort other believers. But before we go too far, what about the gift of tongues? Isn't that from God? Well, look at verse 5. Absolutely. Paul says in verse 5, he is not belittling the gift of tongues. He says, this is definitely a gift which the Holy Spirit has given. The gift does have its purpose. The gift does have its function. And so Paul begins in verse 5 with this phrase, I wish you all spoke with tongues. And, and, and I think that, that what Paul is, is doing here is, is Paul saying, this is from God. He knows that it's not possible for everybody to speak in tongues. Why is it not possible for everybody to speak in tongues? Because God has not given the same gift to who? Everybody. Not everybody in the church has the same gift. We all don't hold this one gift. Know, nor does one person have all the gifts. Uh, but he wishes even more, look at verse 5, he wishes even more that they did what? They prophesied. They prophesied. Again, I think this is just Paul's way of saying tongues is a gift from God. But it has a limited function, and has a limited purpose, and it doesn't serve the church near as well as the, the, the building up of the believers. It is far better to communicate God's truth in a language that the people can understand. The only exception he makes there is when he speaks with interpretation, the end of the verse. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Then something, he said, you know, if someone interprets, then something can be gained from the experience. But again, Paul is saying that they needed to emphasize the gifts that most effectively promote the goal, which is the building up of the saints. Well, we need to hurry on. He then gives us some examples to try to, to, to prove his point. He uses a series of illustrations that we're just going to go through quickly to drive home his point that the main emphasis ought to be to effectively communicate the truth of God's word. The the, the goal is to effectively communicate God's truth to God's people. And so prophecy, uh, the the speaking of God's truth in a language that we can understand is more vital to us than the gift of tongues, which we don't necessarily understand. And the first illustration that he uses here in verse 6 is his own visit, his own upcoming visit to the church. He says, now brethren... If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching? The the Corinthians were looking forward to the, the visit of the Apostle Paul to their church. He'd been there before. He'd been there for a number of years and taught them. He was planning to return and they were looking forward. We always look forward to Dr. Crow. You know, next week we're going to get to meet Tim Kroll. But we always look forward to Dr. Kroll. We always look forward to to him coming and and reacquainting ourselves with it. And kind of like with Paul. What if when Paul came to speak at the church at Corinth, and they've been looking forward to this, what if when he came, he started speaking to them in English? And they had what? No idea what he's talking about. They're hearing him in a language they can't understand. And and he said, you've been looking forward to me coming. What if I come to you and I speak in a tongue that you can't understand? What good would that do for the church? What if next Sunday, Tim Crow comes here and he speaks to us in Japanese? We're going to walk out of here going, wow, that was fabulous. But I have no idea what he said. You know, I didn't get a thing out of that you see and to make Paul's message profitable to the church he says I need to speak by revelation or by knowledge by means of prophecy or by teaching you know uh, um, revelation is given by means of prophecy knowledge is communicated to us by the means of teaching these gifts are the means by which God communicated New Testament truth to the New Testament church and, and it's important that that is done in the language that we can understand. You know, I was thinking about the, the movie The Great Escape when I was thinking about this. Uh, the, the Great Escape tells the story of uh, the, those prisoners in a German, German prisoner war camp who, who tunneled out and escaped and, and uh, fled uh, f- into Germany actually to try to get across into allied lines and sometimes they went in pairs because somebody maybe spoke German and so the other guy who didn't speak German uh, uh, could go along with him and and if you remember if you've seen the movie or or read the book the, The one of the guys goes along with someone he can't speak a word of German and they get to the, the, the bus stop and the, the Gestapo's there and they're interviewing them all. And, and the one guy that could speak German speaks back. And the other guy just stands there and nods along, you know, like he understands everything. And as he goes to get on the bus, the Gestapo agent says in English, good luck. And the guy who doesn't speak German just instinctively says, thank you. Boom, Busted. You know, what, he was speaking in a language He had no idea what they were talking about, but he heard, good luck. Oh, thank you. You know, and, and that's the idea that Paul's coming across. If we're going to get something out of it, we're going to be able to understand it has to be in our language. And since the New Testament truth is now completed, the emphasis today needs to be on knowledge and on teaching the word of God. And Paul uses both of those to communicate God's truth in the language of the people. Look at the second illustration. And again, our time is rushing away here this morning. But the second illustration deals with musical instruments. Even these, even things without life, whether the flute or the harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in sounds, how will be known what is piped in play? He says, this is true even in inanimate objects such as musical instruments, Musical instruments have absolutely no value unless the notes that are being played are distinguishable. Uh, let me use another movie illustration, old movie illustration Music Man. Have any of you ever seen The Music Man? And, uh, you know, when, when uh, Professor Hill has been busted and now he's there to try to get the band to play and he begins to play, okay, let's play. If you've never seen the movie, you really need to watch that part. Of it. Because you've got a bunch of kids who've never played a musical instrument in their life and all of a sudden they start playing and the sounds are horrendous. You know, oh, you know, and there's nothing worse than, than that. But then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's my Johnny. Oh, isn't it beautiful? You know, but even musical instruments, can, man, we don't even want to hear them if, if, if they don't make a sound that it, it, is, not, the flute here seems to represent all the wind instruments. The harp re- represents the, the stringed instruments. If people are to appreciate music and to respond to music, Paul says, the music needs to be able to convey that. Even musical instruments. Look at the next one. Uh, the the next one is the trumpet, verse eight, and this is the military trumpet, and and so this is even more critical than the than the the band, the music, the the meta military trumpet calls the 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 gives the signal to the soldier, retreat, you know, charge, do this, do that, and if that sound is not certain, if that sound is not understandable, then there's going to be confusion. There needs to be a certain distinct sound. In verse 9, Paul, verses 9 through 11, Paul says the same is true with the human language. And, you know, if that is true with, with instruments, it's even more true for human language. So likewise you, verse 8, 9, verse 9, "...unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air." There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. You know, he says, if that's true of musical instruments, how much more the human voice? The whole purpose of speech is to do what? Communicate. Communicate. To be able to be understood by one another. If your speech is not understandable, then you're only speaking the end of verse uh, uh, 10 or verse 9. You're only speaking into the air. You know, we need to keep that in mind even today. We must speak even when we're using the language of the people in a way that that they can understand us or there's no profit in our speaking. You know, And and what he says here is there's many different languages in the world and each of them has meaning. Each of them has words. But if we can't understand them, the only only result is going to be frustration. And when we don't communicate in a way that others can understand, we're like foreigners to one another. And the end result is frustration rather than edification. Well, there's one last verse. Look at verse 12. Paul closes this passage with a, a simple exhortation we need to concentrate on edification. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Paul says since they had a a zealous drive in the realm of the spirituals, they wanted spiritual gifts. Uh, Then they had a zealous drive for the manifestation of the spirit uh, and the experience of spiritual gifts. They need to use those gifts for the edification of the church. Again, since the the goal is to build up one another in love and since the means that God has given to accomplish that goal are the spiritual gifts, then we need to seek to emphasize those gifts that will most effectively accomplish the desired goal. We need to commit ourselves to edification. We need to concentrate on building up the saints, not in simply having some ecstatic, religious, spiritual, if you will, experience. You know, I, I hope that's helped us somewhat on the gift of tongues. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to get into a little bit more because one of the things we saw last week, and that's where we, we start to, to question, okay, is it still for today or whatever? One of the things we saw last week is that tongues has that, I believe, has that built-in stopping point. Remember, we used the battery as an example. That, that when the, the battery is... Uh, and I think that in two weeks, we'll see when that, that occurred and uh, that the gift is not... I don't believe, for today. Uh, And and God's word is what he wants us to concentrate on. He wants us to edify one another. He wants us to be built up. And he wants to focus on that, not some experience that we have. You know, one of the things I I think happens within the church and within the lives of believers is that we're constantly looking for another experience. We're constantly looking for you know, this mountaintop experience. I'm, I'm going to, you know, go here or do that or read this book or see this movie or, or this conference or whatever it is. And we're just kind of going from one high to another, if you will. We're looking for that experience. And God says, you know what, where, where the real truth comes in is in, in the word. And the day by day, getting, is there anything wrong with those mountaintop topics? No. But they ought to be, uh, they ought to be, the foundation needs to be the word of God. And that's where you need to be in your life. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for just uh, the opportunity to study your word and to look at it even this morning. And Lord, I pray for these folks here that they love your word. And that they have submitted to the lordship of Christ. And the evidence of that in their own life will be obedience. Obedience to the commands of of scripture. Lord, as we've thought about that this morning and as we've uh, thought about the importance of your word, help us to to really believe that and live that and trust that in our own lives. Lord, for those who may be here this morning that don't know Christ as their savior, they've never uh, called upon him to save them. Maybe today they come to know Christ. But for those of us who are believers, Lord, may, may we love your word. May we obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on our church, located in Cumberland, Maryland, please go to cumberlandcornerstone.org.